Blaze Radio Network. And now, Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. Congratulations to the latest lotto winner, the Powerball winner. The Powerball played in 45 states, plus Washington, D.C., the U.S. Virgin Islands, and Puerto Rico. Yes, we have a winner to the Powerball, $699.8 million, the seventh largest in U.S. lottery history. And the winner was in California. Congratulations. Morro Bay there has the, was the place for the winner. We don't know who exactly is the winner yet, but they have a option for 29 years, uh, annual, obviously payments, or they can take the cash option, which I vote for at $496 million. Now, in California, that's a big chunk of change to be taxed. So let's see, $496 million in California. You're lo- walking away with what? Maybe $300 million if you're lucky. $250 million, maybe half. Still, though, that's a good payday. Congratulations to someone or some group in Marl Bay, California that wasn't me. <laughs> now, according to the Powerball people, they were happy, though, because... It was the 41st drawing, which set a record, topping the previous mark of 36 drawings that ended in January 2021. The longer the game goes, obviously, without a grand prize winner, the larger the payout will grow. And they said that despite the long wait for the winning jackpot ticket, plenty of people won smaller prizes. 2.8 million players in Saturday's drawing alone. Those winnings ranged from a million dollars to four dollars and i'm guessing this is just a thought on my part i'm guessing that there were a whole lot more four dollar winners than there were a million dollar winners but now it goes back to i think we're at 20 million for the next powerball drawing and 45 million for the next mega millions drawing so good luck and best wishes i'm So happy that it was you and not me. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. No, 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 I am. Welcome. Welcome to Chewing the Fat. Okay, this is news I do not want to come true. Uh, 98% of members of the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees, the IATSE, voted to authorize a strike which could halt TV and film production around the country. It's the first time in the union's 128-year history that members have greenlit a nationwide strike. Okay, so 60,000 of Hollywood's behind-the-scene workers, including camera operators, script coordinators, makeup artists, could go on strike. So I guess they're back at the table now. We'll see what happens. They're demanding higher wages from streaming companies. Uh, Apparently a 2009 agreement allowed streaming services with fewer than 20 million subscribers to pay workers lower than standard wages. It was intended to help streaming become more popular at the end of the, you know, the blockbuster era. But it's persisted to this day when new services are ramping up the pace of content production. They're also demanding shorter workdays, 
Uh, they claim grueling 14-hour days are the norm for behind-the-scenes crew in the entertainment industry, which is, uh, you know, a little as eight hours before the next shift. New terms would require at least 10-hour turnarounds to let workers commute and sleep on weekdays and 54 hours on the weekend. Hmm. Uh, everyone's feeling the need to weigh in, of course. Uh, you know, Ben Stiller, Seth Rogen, all others, all the actors, I'm sure, supported the the workers, they couldn't be successful without them. So we're behind you a hundred percent or more. So and Congress signed a letter yesterday pleading with the warring parties to reach a consensus agreement because a strike would disrupt the industry, the economy and the communities. Yeah. Well, the industries and economy and the communities other than Hollywood are already being disrupted. So this would just, you know, throw a little bit more gasoline under that fire. So we know that, uh, you know, the workers versus entertainment companies is, uh, you know, a big deal. Scarlett Johansson just resolved her dispute and didn't have anything to do with the workers. Though, I'll tell you that, uh, it had to do with her getting an extra 50 million because of the streaming between Disney and black widow. So apparently, um, the strike would be the first, as I said, in the 128 year history. And it's bigger, they claim, than the 2007-2008 strike of the 12,000 screenwriters. So your favorite shows could be shut down very soon if a deal is not reached. Because the union, the powerful, what are they called again? Oh yeah, the International Association of Theatrical Stage Employees, the IATSE. Uh, they're up against the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers the AMPTP, and that represents the big studios and streamers alike. So I guess they're going to be back at the table duking it out, and we'll see what happens. But I say work it out, okay? We can't have we can't have our shows disrupted. This will not stand not one minute. A couple other Hollywood people that scored some big cash in the last couple of days, Shannon Doherty and Clint Eastwood. Uh, Sharon and Doherty scored a $6.3 million victory against her insurance company after she revealed uh, fighting to stay alive amid cancer battle. That really, I think, pushed the case over the edge. Now, she's been fighting cancer for a while, and she wanted to continue her battle of stage four breast cancer, which is horrible. And I, I, don't, I don't recommend that for anyone. Uh, let's be clear. I am against breast cancer. 150,000%. So she was suing State Farm because she claimed that they didn't give her enough money for working on her house, the damages for her house related to the Woolsey fire that tore through her, you know, beach neighborhood in 2018. She said State Farm refused to pay millions to fix the smoke damage. And State Farm said, whoa, whoa, we paid for her to stay at a rental property in Venice Beach while her home was getting worked on. And State Farm uh, has, you know, said, no, we, you know, we paid a lot of money. We're just not going to pay you that. And she uh, revealed during the lawsuit that she had terminal stage four cancer. And she made a point to tell the judge that she wanted to live the rest of her days peacefully, not fighting the insurance company. And they agreed. Uh, State Farm, uh, you go ahead and pay Shannon $6.3 million, Okay, let's get this thing worked out. She's fighting breast cancer. She doesn't need to be fighting you. So State Farm is out 6.3, another 6.3 
six, I'm sorry, $6,346,000 is going to go over to Shannon. Now, Clint won a lawsuit against a CBD retailer for $6.1 million. But the weird thing about this is they were using his image to hawk their product. And, you know, the 91-year-old filmmaker said, uh, yeah, no, um, no, you don't use my image to market your wares without my permission. That's not, that's not the way we do things. So the folks who run the Lithuanian CBD company, uh, I guess, you know, decided that, uh, you know, we're not going to show up in court. So it was a default judgment. The retailers didn't respond to the lawsuit. And so they weren't in court to defend themselves. So we don't even know if they'll ever pony up the cash or how, you know, what's going to happen in the end if they're going to, you know, nix Clint Eastwood. I mean, it's almost like the erectile dysfunction ads. Uh, You know, they just throw somebody's face on there and, you know, settle down. And if the lawsuit comes, they move and become another company. It's, It's pretty shaky. Pretty shaky, but you know, Clint won the case, a default judgment. Does it mean anything? No. Does he need another 6.1 million? Who doesn't? So Shannon or Clint with their earnings from their settlements could, you know, maybe put a down payment on this 700 acre ranch for sale in Parker County, Texas. The winner of the Powerball uh, could just pay cash. So I see this headline, uh, 700 acre ranch for sale in Parker County for 14 0.25 million dollars and the first thing i see in the write-up about it is a 4,336 square foot home is the main house and i thought man that is a small house for 14.25 million and you have a 4,336 square foot home that seems a little small for that type of deal so the the 4,000 square foot home has six bedrooms five bathrooms but it's the main house well, then you read on about the $14.25 million Parker County Ranch uh, with 700 acres. And the ranch also features two barns, an insulated barn with a commercial kitchen, walk-in fridge and freezers, an office, an upstairs loft, as well as a rock barn with plumbing and electricity, tack room, and hayloft in addition. The property has two other ranch homes and several storage facilities. Plus, it has four ponds ranging from one and a half to six acres in size. And those were renovated way back in 2009. It is the home to white-tailed deer, Rio Grande turkey, morning dove, and a variety of ducks. It offers several recreational activities, including fishing, riding, ATVs, gardening, and raising cattle. Um, yeah. Okay. That seems like it's worth $14.25 million. And you could, you could have some fun on that ranch and you could turn it into a working ranch too. I mean, they all obviously are working ranches, but between the cattle and you could bring in hunters and hunt on your property, you could make some of your money back, uh, in a relatively short period of time and live relatively well in that dump of a house 4,336 square foot. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you do it. Maybe, you know, some once in a while you go live in the barn. <laughs> in one of the two barns, you know, that has the commercial kitchen and the walk-in freezers in the office and the loft upstairs. Maybe you could maybe you could stay there instead of at that dump of a home. <laughs> All right, let's go to the break room. I need something cold to drink desperately. 
so good. So yesterday we talked about uh, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, may have exceeded uh, expectations at the U.S. box office, but the biggest movie of the weekend was the Chinese blockbuster, The Battle of Lake Shenzhen, uh, a war epic. $203 $203 million over the three-day weekend and $235 million from Thursday through Sunday, marking the start of China's week-long National Day holiday, which apparently is typically a boon for the box office. So it surpassed uh, you know, other movies, especially um, Venom and especially uh, No Time to Die. Now, no Time to Die hasn't been released in the U.S., or China yet. It was released in, uh, you know, a number of other countries around the world. It was like 119 million or something like that, but it wasn't released in the U.S. or China. According to this, the Battle of Lake Shangjin, which I'm sure is probably great, uh, had a production budget of over $200 million, which would make it China's most expensive film ever. And according to, you know, the Chinese ticketing service, it's projecting that this movie could, you know, earn over eight hundred million. That would make uh, make it one of China's highest-grossing movies of all time. And according to the insiders, production values in China have gone way up. So you know they're looking at uh, you know making a really big push against Hollywood. You know, coming up with their own Hollywood. Local films accounted for eighty-five percent of China's box office in 2020. Now, um, that may be true. And I know that, you know, that's gone up over the past few years, but China has kind of a lock on movies that can be released there. Uh, just saying, I know they only allow, uh, 34 films, 34 foreign films, released in the country per year on a revenue sharing basis. So China gets their cut and that would mean, you know, they're predicting fewer Hollywood films would be approved coming into China, a much tighter regulatory environment. And we know that China uh, also says, yeah, no, you can't, uh, if you want the movie uh, released here in China, you're going to have to change this and change that. And we don't like that. And we don't like this. So I mean, I hope that the we talked about the strike coming for the workers. Well, they better take a look around. The landscape is changing. And I, I know, I know the landscape is changing. I know that uh, China also is going to go ahead and ban gay relationships or the promotion of gay relationships in their video games. So that's probably coming in the films as well. I would just, uh, you know, I would get ready for that really soon. And I didn't congratulate yesterday. And I gosh darn it. I, I apologize for not congratulating Playboy as they have celebrated their first ever male cover model. Congratulations, Playboy. <sighs> Filipino born beauty influencer Bretman Rock is October digital cover model. And yes, the it's the first male. It's The once fantastic magazine Playboy is celebrating Bretman's rock cover spot as the milestone for the LGBT community. I don't know what they have against the IA2 plus group, but this was just the LGBT community. The photo accompanying the video show rock posing in Playboy's traditional bunny costume, complete with high heels, rabbit ears, and bushy tail. And he looks 
hot with it. So just congratulations. And it's a huge deal. And uh, Rock is just so thankful to Playboy. And uh, it's this, he can't even believe that it's effing happening right now is the quote. <laughs> and he also is really inspired by the photographs and he can't believe that he is this pretty made out to be this pretty by the playboy digital cover and congratulations congratulations to bretman rock you are the first male to grace the cover of playboy and man that's just that's just great good news i mean am i gonna look absolutely of course i am leave me alone the articles alone over the years have made me <laughs> meander through the Playboy magazine. So, I mean, there's that. And it looks like everybody is writing their memoirs now. We talked about uh, Will Smith writing his big memoirs, Tell All. We talked about Katie Couric, who, by the way, is getting banned from CBS because of her uh, her stories in her memoirs. And now we have Stephen Van Zant writing his memoir, unrequited infatuations you know steven from the e street band guitarist with springsteen he's also the sopranos actor and he talks about in his book how he fell in love with threesomes during the 70s he said the 70s was a wonderful time it was sexually liberated time there's never been anything quite like it it was just a wild ride wild time and women were truly truly liberated there for a minute I mean, it was really a wonderful time to be alive. So, you know, menage a trois was not that unusual. He called it a temporary addiction. Isn't that special? <laughs> I mean, I can understand being addicted to it. Don't get me wrong. But then he said that he fell in love with his wife almost 39 years ago. And that brought an end to his stint. Did it? So I guess so. Yeah, according to him, it did. So I mean, we have to believe him, right? <laughs> so he said he's happy about acting now. I mean, he's been, you know, he was in The Sopranos and he was in The, the Christmas Chronicles and The Irishman. He said he's happy to be part of the acting community now. And uh, so hopefully there's more in the book. But it'll be some behind-the-scenes stuff with uh, Springsteen. And, of course, we'll get stories of his threesomes throughout the 70s. So read on for the unrequited infatuations. Those of you that were worried about Britney falling off the deep end, I don't think you have anything to worry about. You know, Sure, she's posing naked on her Instagram accounts, and she's partying in Hawaii since Dad got kicked off being her conservator. Sure. She said she would love to marry her trainer, Sam Agashari, in Hawaii before she turns 40 in December, or even on her birthday in Hawaii. She's just on cloud nine from being freed from her father's financial rule, and she just dreams of getting hitched to Sam and starting a family with him, you know, like she did with Kevin Federline, although Federline has the kids, but that might be because of dad, not her. And they're planning on a big party first time in years britney's been allowed to let her hair down with friends of course paris hilton madonna the kardashians miley cyrus Cher. they'll all be there and so she's not there's nothing to worry about 
She's fine. She just wants to get her social life back on track and getting to the bottom of where all her money has been spent. It's just, it's just going to be a good time. And sure, she's been married a couple of times and she just wants to get married to her trainer and she's running around naked and partying and she just wants to express herself and she's excited to be Brittany again. So if you were concerned about her losing her mind and going out off the deep end, don't because she's just fine. And I told you before, I got no problem with this, really. I mean, it might be the reason that there was a conservatorship to begin with. But look, this is America. And she has worked, traveled the world performing and made millions and been a star. And if she wants to, as I've said before, wants to have a bonfire on the island of Oahu and burn her money in a giant bonfire, bless her heart, go for it. Now, maybe, you know, the new trainer who's going to be hubby, Sam, will talk her out of it. I'm sure it's all love. There's nothing more than that. I mean, she's almost 40 and he's 27. So... Uh, you know, good for her, but it's been a tough ride for Brittany. And I don't necessarily disagree with that, but you know, (laughs) she's going to go off the deep end for a while. There's no doubt. Hopefully, uh, Sam will be able to bring her back from the ledge a little bit. Sure. He's going to photograph her naked. Sure. They're going to party and run around for a while, but for her to go way off the deep end, no, baby. You know, maybe we need to go on tour again. Let's get this let's get this money machine printing again, okay? Okay, I love you too. Ten years ago today, the fifth of October, twenty eleven. Today is the 5th of October, 2021. For those of you listening live, Steve Jobs died. And he was very much in the follow your passion camp. One of his quotes was, your work is going to fill a large part of your life. And the only way to be truly satisfied is to do what you believe is great work. And the only way to do great work is to love what you do. If you haven't found it yet, keep going don't settle. And that's special. Ah, that sure is special. I'm just saying it's special. And I'm in love with Steve Jobs, even though we know that he was, you know, really not that nice of a guy, but he was a smart guy. And right now, think of this, the app store, Apple app store earned more profits from games, ain't $8.5 billion than Microsoft, Nintendo, Activision, Blizzard, and Sony combined in fiscal 2019, according to the Wall Street Journal analysis. Wow. I mean, it's a gatekeeper for the app stores, but the gaming world is fighting them. Fortnite, Epic Games uh, have been uh, launching, uh, you know, fire bombs into that app store, and we'll see what happens in the future. But for now, they are the gatekeeper for, uh, you know, for the app store. No doubt about it. And of course, You know, Google's Play Store is the same thing. Interesting. But uh, if you were part of the the bummed out crowd uh, yesterday as Facebook went down, I know that they weren't the only ones. I mean, it was 
Instagram and WhatsApp and Messenger and Oculus. They all went down just before noon. And they're supposed to all be back up now. Uh, I see. I don't feel like Instagram was 100% yet, but could be wrong. You could follow me, Jeff Fisher Radio on Instagram and the Jeff Fisher Radio on Facebook, uh, at Jeffy JFR on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me. I have a YouTube page, Chewing the Fat, uh, with Jeff Fisher as my YouTube page. And of course, you can always email me, Chewing the Fat at TheBlaze.com. I know that uh, the Facebook, uh, Mike Schroffer, uh, at Shrep on Twitter. Uh, amazingly, Twitter was not down yesterday. He tweeted sincere apologies to everyone impacted by outages of Facebook-powered services right now. We are experiencing networking issues and teams are working as fast as possible to debug and restore as fast as we can. Well, isn't that special? I know that they were busy defending the company over the whistleblower's accusations. Isn't it interesting that... Uh, they, when a lot of people think that they went down just to cover their tracks and delete a bunch of stuff because of the whistleblower's accusations about harmful to teens. And it's funny how that they just went down. You'd think they would have done it before, though. I mean, it wasn't a big surprise that the whistleblower had all this information. We were looking at stories and data about their teen research for the past few weeks. So I don't know that that was the case or not. I know that they were... Uh, you know, they were busy saying that, uh, we know what the problem is. Uh, we failed a lot of tests for most of the day, a test of the ISP DNS servers, most of them finding a route to facebook.com. A few minutes later, we were able to start using Facebook and Instagram. Normally it may take some time for the DNS fixes to reach everyone. We're on it. Don't worry about it. I did like that, uh, Twitter, uh, tweeted during the melee, uh, that, uh, hello, literally everyone. <laughs> That's an awesome tweet with, uh, 3.2 million likes, 770,000 retweets, 117,000 uh, comments. Uh, really, really smart. Now, some would say that perhaps Twitter had something to do with the down moments of Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, Messenger, and Oculus. Not me, though. No, I will not hear of it. I'm just saying, uh, did you? If you sweat it out, you weren't able to do a reel. Uh, maybe you know you could still, you know, head to TikTok and do a couple of TikToks, but you didn't have your Instagram stories and reels to do. So sorry about that. I hope you survived okay. Then anytime you have a problem with your boss or a family member, just use the same excuse Facebook used for an explanation. It's a configuration issue. Sorry. And speaking of a configuration issue, I see a couple of Tesla headlines. Tesla delivered a record 241,300 cars in Q3, but at the same time, a San Francisco federal court decided Monday that Tesla must pay a former worker, worker Owen Diaz, $137 million after he endured a hostile work environment and racist abuse working there as an elevator operator. According to his attorneys, the case was only able to move forward because Diaz had not signed one of Tesla's mandatory 
arbitration agreements, which the company uses to force employees to resolve disputes without a public trial. Of course, now we want to have uh, the board study the effects of mandatory arbitration agreements on the company, voicing concerns that they enable harassment and other problems. So the federal court decided that Tesla is going to have to pay this guy $137 million. The jury awarded more than the attorneys asked for their client, including $130 million in punitive damages and $6.9 million for emotional distress. So the former contract worker who was hired at Elon Musk's electric vehicle company through a staffing agency in 2015 faced a hostile work environment in which he told the court colleagues use epithets to degenerate, can't say it right, denigrate him and other black workers. They told him to go back to Africa, left racist graffiti in the restrooms and a racist drawing in his workspace. Wow. And you say, if that's true, bud, it went to court and they claim that it's true. Wow. So Tesla apparently uses mandatory arbitration to compel employees to resolve disputes behind closed doors rather than in a public trial. And my man Diaz did not sign one of those. So they claim that this is a good deal because that way they uh, don't face significant damages and they can take deep corrective actions after arbitrators settle a dispute. Okay, if you say so, no problem. Now, according to this, there's another pending class action lawsuit in Alameda County, California, who they allege Tesla is rife with racist discrimination and harassment. Okay, no problem. Uh, They claim here that... Tesla has faced many serious allegations of sexual and racial harassment and discrimination over the years. All right. In addition to Mr. Diaz, three other witnesses, all non-Tesla contract employees, testified at a trial that they regularly heard racial slurs, including the N-word, on the Fremont factory floor. While they all agreed that the use of the N-word was not appropriate in the workplace, They also agreed that most of the time they thought the language was used in a friendly manner and usually by African-American colleagues. So what are we? Okay. All right. All right. No news on whether Tesla is going to appeal to this or not. So I'm sure that they will. Why wouldn't they? Oh, no. Here's 137 million. Go home. Eh, probably not going to happen. And they also said that Tesla has made changes since 2016 when Diaz last worked for the company, including a diversity, equity, and inclusion team. And remember the anti-handbook handbook that uh, Elon passed out? Yeah, that's gone now. It's uh, There's more of a traditional employee handbook where HR policies are collected in one place. So that's great. They've got it all taken care of, right? Right. But there's no lightheartedness at work anymore. That drives me insane as I'm going back to the letter that they talked about how the language was used in a friendly manner and usually by African-American colleagues. So it doesn't matter. It matters that the racial slurs and the N-word were used and people were trying to have a friendly 
conversation or fun at work. You can't have that anymore. Not that way, Jeff. How dare them think about saying stuff like that to a worker that's working there. They can't be doing that. Okay, then we just won't have any fun anymore. And you just have to go through work like a cog in the wheel. And all right, all right, be a cog in the wheel then. That's fine. All right, a couple of crime stories that caught my eye that uh, really just kind of like, wait, what? So the headline, which really you know caught my eye, was one DEA agent killed, two officers hurt in a shooting aboard Amtrak train in you know say the Tucson police, so in Tucson, Arizona. And I thought, oh my gosh, one Drug Enforcement Administration agent was killed, two other officers injured. There was a shooting on an Amtrak train that was stopped in Tucson, Arizona. Really something, you know, you don't hear about it. Then, reading the story, I question what happened. Okay, so officers boarded the train to perform a routine check for illegal guns, money, and drugs. Oh, wait a second. We're just randomly or routinely checking Amtrak trains for illegal guns, money, and drugs without any possibility of knowing that anything is on the train. There's no warrant. There's no nothing. We're just checking. So apparently they encountered two people on the second level of a double-decker Amtrak car. One individual was detained. The second person revealed a handgun and opened fire. The DEA agent was killed, and another DEA agent is in critical condition. That's what police said. Horrible. So the Tucson police officer who was on the platform heard the gunfire, ran out of the train, at which point he was shot. That officer is in stable condition. After exchanging rounds with police, the suspected gunman barricaded himself in a lower-level bathroom. It was later determined that the suspect uh, that the uh, suspected gunman died, though it's not clear how he died. Uh, there were no reports of injuries to the 137 passengers or 11 crew members. The train was en route from Los Angeles to New Orleans and arrived in Tucson at 7.40 a.m. Okay, so that whole, the, the outcome is horrific and lucky that no civilians were harmed, horrible, that we have a DEA, a DEA agent killed in one in critical condition. However, we're just random. I, I keep saying randomly. And it's not randomly. We're just doing a routine check. Routine. That's the way the story was, was written. Boarded the train to perform a routine check for illegal guns, money, and drugs. I don't like that at all. I, I don't like, we just stopped and we're just sending the authorities in. We're just checking. You have anything that's illegal? We're going to check your stuff. Um, that's not the way it's supposed to work. Sorry. I, that really, really bugs me. And then I see a story where U.S. Marshals led an operation that's led to a recent arrest of over 60 violent fugitives and gang members, which is great. Operation Washout was conducted between September 10th and 27th. They arrested 66 people with active warrants. They included uh, 
Texas top 10 most wanted fugitive and 43 gang members. That's fantastic. But what they busted, what they got for their bust seems a little low. They've got all these criminals, but they only, they, this here's what they got. All right. They arrested the fugitives. Uh, this allows local county and state agencies to reach far beyond the boundaries of their jurisdictions because the U.S. Marshals had partnered with the Western District of Texas, okay, which is great. So that, you know, they're able to get the get the, the criminals. The operation also seized quantities of cocaine, methamphetamine, heroin, and marijuana, and U.S. currency, and nine firearms. Nine firearms. So you got 43 gang members, 66 people with active warrants, 10, a one, one of the top 10 most wanted fugitives, a Texas top 10 most wanted fugitive, but you only got nine firearms. Man, they've got those stashed somewhere because that's a little low. All those criminals and only nine guns. Okay. That just doesn't seem right, but this is actually a good thing going on. These people actually had warrants out for them. It wasn't just a routine stop to annoy and question and search just individuals on a train. But it shouldn't surprise me that a routine stop on trains were just searching people and asking if they've got anything illegal. I, I'm sure it was they were they were nice they were asking nicely. <laughs> oh, they weren't just doing that. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's fine. Because we're in a you know a place where now good news for American airline employees, uh, their um, CEO and president uh, has sent a letter to employees saying that all US based staff and some international crew members must get vaccinated under the new mandate uh, as the airline company is a classified government contractor. So you either get uh, vaccinated or you lose your job. And we're already uh, getting rid of healthcare workers. Uh, the New York's largest healthcare provider fired 1,400 employees who refused the vaccine. That's it, though. Uh, That's it. Maybe they can go start their own hospital, which really is what needs to happen. All right. So the remaining 76,000 employees have received at least one dose of the vaccine. According to this, no patient care has been disrupted. Uh Uh-huh. And they're currently hiring to fill the newly vacant positions. Let's, you know, if they can't fill them, then that's where where the problem is. And we're going to have to, you know, we're going to have to take a stand. We're going to have to take a stand. All right. I know we have the story of them talking about um, uh, getting charged more for unvaccinated uh, employees. So you get charged more for healthcare. Well, now uh, some places like a Louisiana healthcare system are going to go ahead and charge workers more if your spouse is unvaccinated. So not only do you have to be vaccinated, but so does your spouse. Wait, so I'm getting vaccinated. I'm following your mandate so that I can keep my job. But my family members, my spouse, now they have to be vaccinated too for me not to get charged additional money for insurance policies. I mean, I know insurance companies have been charging more for you know, if the, you get a discount, if you go to the gym, if you exercise, that kind of thing. I get it. You don't smoke. 
that I, I they've been doing that forever. So now we're just adding on the unvaccinated. Yeah, you don't have to get vaccinated, but we're going to charge you a lot more money if you're not vaccinated. Oh, okay. And I love how many of these places still, they still throw in there. Well, of course you could, you know, unless you qualify for a religious or medical exemption. Well, I'd like to see a, how many people actually get the religious or medical exemption. I wonder if it says in this story. Well, yes, yes, it does. And it headlines with good luck with that. So getting an employer to grant workers a medical exemption became a lot harder after the FDA fully approved the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine and uh, a two-shot vaccine for Moderna and Johnson & Johnson single-dose vaccine have also been deemed safe and effective for emergency use in U.S. adults. You knew that. But except for a few specific allergies, there are no known medical conditions that make vaccination unsafe. Okay. According to the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention, the only people who shouldn't get vaccinated are those who had severe allergic reaction immediately after the first vaccine dose. <laughs> so the only way you get out of it is take the first one and then say you and then had an allergic reaction. All right, that's great. The only real exemption would be a severe allergic reaction mainly in the Pfizer and Moderna mRNA vaccines, but they are very, very rare, like one in a million. All right, great. What about a religious exemption? Well, those are pretty tough too, because no major religious denomination in the U.S. opposes vaccination outright. But an individual's sincerely held religious belief does not have to be part of an organized religion mandate to be considered a valid reason for exemption from getting the vaccine. It can be a personal, sincerely held religious belief, which arises from the very nature of freedom of religion articulated in the First Amendment. (laughs) Ah, You don't think you still have that, do you? You're, you don't think the you know, the Bill of Rights and the Constitution and the amendments those those amendments, those things don't don't mean anything anymore. Are you crazy? <laughs> just get the shot. I mean, I, 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 I tell you every day, just get the shot and shut up. Okay, my gosh. I mean, that's a heck of a fight on your hands to try to use these exemptions because they are doing everything they can to make these exemptions null and void. Sure, we'll still put it in the rules. Well, of course, you don't have to get it if you have a religious or a medical exemption, but you're not going to get one of those religious or medical exemptions because they really don't exist. But you can for sure get it. I mean, you don't have to get the vaccine. If you can get one of these exemptions, but you're not going to get one of those exemptions. So just get the shot and shut up or lose your job and you can't work. And be to be sure, more and more places are making it impossible for the unvaccinated to be a part 
of the vaccinated people's life. In this story, it talks about new territory for many employers navigating this issue of either medical exemption or religious exemption, given how risky a proposition it is to allow unvaccinated employees to mingle with and possibly infect colleagues in the workplace. But we know now that even vaccinated people can infect other vaccinated or unvaccinated people. So this whole mingling with other people, that's got to stop. There's no mingling, no mingling, and there's no fun to be had. You don't mingle and you get vaccinated and you are just a cog in the wheel. Okay. So just make sure that you realize that. Okay. You're a cog in the wheel and there's no mingling and there's no having fun in the workplace. If you actually go to work, I mean, there's thousands of places still looking for employees and they can't find them. So if you want a job, if you want a job in today's world, I would venture to say that you could get one today. Might not be the job you hoped for, but you would be working. And I, you know, I don't know what else to tell you. Cause I understand. I do. I get it. And you know what? I have no problem personally being around anyone whether you're vaccinated or unvaccinated. If I know you and you're in my life, you're in my life. Okay. doesn't matter to me. You get to make that choice, but that's a tough one for today's world for sure. And I would be remiss if I didn't tell you that the uh, super smash brothers ultimate lineup is uh, new. And uh, we have the new character, from Mr. Sakurai Presents live stream earlier today. All right. Uh, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate will be Sora from the Kingdom Hearts series. And people did not think this would be a character in the Ultimate, the Super Smash Brothers, because it's a character from the Disney and Pixar universes. And Sora is the main character in the franchise wielding a keyblade but a small chain with a Mickey Mouse logo dangles from his weapon. Okay, so he's a fan favorite. And he's going to be, you know, alongside characters like Mario and, and the rest of them. So have fun with Sorrow in the new <laughs> Super Smash Brothers. Uh, to use Sora, which will be available October 18th, players can download the Fighter's Pass Volume 2 expansion which costs $29.99. I'm told by my son that that already exists in my household. But an individual expansion characters can also be added to the game for $5.99. And other characters in this expansion pack include uh, Steve Alex from Minecraft. Uh, there's a few other characters too with weird names that I don't care about. You know, like Min Min, Taken. So anyway, uh, yes, well, you heard me. Sorrow. It's part of the new Super Smash Brothers. And man, what good times. What good times. Let's hope, I hope, I hope you have the Fighters Pass Volume 2 expansion instead of having to pay the $5.99 for the individual expansion characters. But have fun. Have fun. Play your games with the Super Smash Brothers. <laughs> Oh,
stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.